This is Crane's Daily Gist. I'm Amy Guth. On this episode of the podcast, Governor Pritzker defends new penalties for stores that break shutdown rules, saying the punishments are needed to protect public health and are actually less severe than what the law had allowed. More on that story and others coming up today on the podcast. But first, this word from our sponsor. Your health and well-being are top of mind right now, and that includes your financial security. Wintrust Mortgage can help. They provide refinance solutions so you can take advantage of low rates to reduce payments. And they have the sophisticated technology to let you go through the process conveniently from home. Uncertainty can add stress to an already tense time. Rely on Wintrust Mortgage. Visit wintrustmortgage.com slash refi. Wintrust Mortgage is a division of Barrington Bank and Trust Company, N.A., and MLS number 449042, equal housing lender. Businesses looking for help in navigating the COVID-19 crisis should check out Small Business Lifeline, a new weekly podcast from Cranes. Every Thursday, the free Small Business Lifeline will offer expert advice and information on accessing needed resources during the crisis. Listen to Small Business Lifeline at chicagobusiness.com slash SBL. As the food supply chain struggles to overcome COVID-19 outbreaks, Illinois farmers are bypassing farmers markets and selling direct to consumers. Earlier, I spoke with Cranes reporter Dalton Barker by phone to learn more about Chicago area farmers seeing a surge in sales and how it might shift buying habits in the long term. Here's what he had to say. It's really changing a lot. And and a big reason, obviously, is because people are worried about getting infected. So you've seen a, a major increase in grocery delivery and Instacart, you know, things to, to keep people away from other masses at the local Jewel or Aldi or Mariano's. And, you know, a, a big thing that's also changing is people are just starting to go directly to the farm now. Either that's with their meat or their fresh produce. People are willing to say, you know, I know that this is coming from one farm and it's being processed by one family or one small group of individuals, and I feel safer doing that. And it's been kind of a trend that's kind of emerged over the past couple of years, but it's just exploding in recent months with, you know, people definitely fearful of of catching this uh, COVID. And I've also got to assume this is also tied in with the stress to supply chains that, that we're also seeing as a result of the pandemic. Absolutely. They're both interrelated. Absolutely. You know, I think a big part is people worried about getting sick. Another major issue is, is that if you're trying to go to your local Kroger owned company, and that includes Mariano's here or Costco, they're limiting uh, your meat purchasing. Costco the other day when I went was you can only have three meat items per person. And the, and the big reason why that is, is because major producers like Tyson, Smithfield Foods, Hormel, these companies are dealing with major outbreaks of COVID at their processing plants, which is, you know, shutting down operations, slowing operations. So you've really seen a major stressor on the supply chain recently. And the Tyson's Food CEO came up the other day and said, basically, meat shortages could last a really long time, especially if they can't get back to work. Because you have to remember, a lot of these supply chains really kind of are interrelated to how quick the animals are ready. And if they're being fed properly, are they being willing to be sent to the processing plant? And then obviously that ends up in your in the store shelf. But if that gets all backed up, you're going to create a lot of different bottlenecks in a lot of different parts of that supply chain. And it's a very sensitive supply chain. Absolutely. I mean, it's got a lot of major breaking areas right now. And I think people are saying to themselves, you know, I don't know if the local grocery store will have chicken or not, but I know if I order from here, I feel a little bit safer about it and I don't have to leave my house. And so looking into that space, who did you talk to who were on the farmer side of this? 
Yeah, so so one of the farmers was Lewis John Slagle, and he's the owner of Slagle Family Farm in Fairbury, Illinois, kind of outside the, the Pontiac area to give reference for our Chicago listeners. And they're really interesting because they are a family-owned farm, and they already were supplying steaks and other high-end cuts to really well-known restaurants here in Chicago like RPM Steak, Publican, Avec. So some really, really big names, and you know, it's been interesting from them is they told me that they recently switched, obviously, from mostly supplying restaurants to now supplying just everyday people. And that's kind of changed what they've been ordering. You know, people really aren't ordering, you know, really high-end cuts of ribeye or, or New York strips, obviously, but they are ordering more ground beef. They are ordering pork chops and lamb shank and, and, and things like that, things that you can cook for your family. And then are still, you know, relatively inexpensive. And so that's been a really big change for them. But they said that their orders are through the roof. Louis John, the, the, the owner of the, the farm, told me that they seriously just can't even keep up with demand right now. Things are just so crazy. They're getting so many orders per day that they just can't keep up. Do you have the sense in your reporting so much about this area of industry that this is, I mean, CSA boxes are nothing new. You know, that's been around nope. for, for quite a while. But this explosion of them and, and in your reporting on the website at chicagobusiness.com, there's some solid numbers to back up, you know, what these farmers are saying to you. But do you get the sense of your reporting that this maybe is something here to stay, that this will be a behavioral shift for consumers to maybe maybe we'll see more people using CSAs? I think definitely. I, I, you know, especially I think the big reason why I say that is because no one knows when this virus will end. Um, no one has a firm date, you know, when it comes to creating a vaccine and distributing it widely and creating some level of herd immunity or herd vaccination. So the idea that all of a sudden just one day we're going to all become vaccinated and people aren't going to stick, I, I don't necessarily buy that. And I, I believe the big reason why is, is because if we're looking at months and months of buying patterns of looking at these local CSAs or these local you know family farms to buy from, to buy meat from, I think that's going to create months and months of just buyer habit. And that's really hard to, to kind of change, especially if people are really happy with the price or not only with the prices, but also the quality. So I think that's another really big thing in the favor of these CSAs and these farmers is that they're giving a, you know, a really high end product, a good product, and it's local. So, th- so there's a little bit of security in that and it's reliable. And I think the biggest thing that I talk to from experts right now is that reliability is key. The ability for you to be able to go out either to the grocery store or go on the website and be able to order something and it comes in when it says it's going to come in and it's the product you ordered for the price you ordered it for, that's becoming really, really, really important right now. And, and brands and companies and farmers and anyone else that can do that right now is really set to, to gain some valuable market share. So what about the price point? How does that compare with shopping in a supermarket? You know, I think it depends. You know, I mean, all this, for example, the Slagle Family Farm, I, I would say the prices, you know, are, are relatively similar. They're a little bit higher. I would say the Slagle Family Farm, when I was looking at their prices online, you know, they don't have the economies of scale of some of these other, you know, major producers. So they can't compete with them, obviously. But they're also a different, differentiated product. You know, all the, all the beef, for example, um, at the Slagle Family Farm is grass fed. So I think if you, you really shouldn't be comparing, oh, what is the average, you know, steak price per pound at, at Mary versus the Slagle Family Farm, I think a better comparison would be what is the grass-fed price at some of these area grocery stores and how does that compare? And from just my overall buying experience and looking at the website, they're pretty dang similar. I don't think there's really that big of a difference. I think people understand that if you're going to buy from a, you know, a smaller producer, a smaller farmer, you're going to pay a little bit more money, but you're hoping to also get a little bit better quality. 
I've also noticed that just from my own inbox, that going to farmer's markets and things like that, you get on various email lists. Suddenly it's gone from, hey, we'll be at so-and-so farmer's market on this day to, hey, we're doing a drop in this neighborhood. So it seems like even farmers who aren't necessarily set up for CSAs are kind of moving that direction. Did you get that sense from talking with some producers also? Absolutely. I I think that... People see one, you know, a lot of CSAs and just a lot of these family farms around Illinois and throughout our Great Lakes area, they really rely on the on the restaurant industry to buy a lot of their, you know, their meats and their produce. And with many restaurants either completely closed or really running at a very low rate that they normally operate at, I think that you're seeing a lot of these farmers really try to switch and, and go direct to consumers knowing that one, there's, there's shortages at the grocery store and people are just nervous to leave their house. So I think that you're, you're do seeing a pivot from farmers around the area. And I, I tend to think that's going to last, especially, you know, right now it's looking like restaurants will reopen sometime in June or July. But even then you're going to have reduced capacity for who knows how long, but certainly for the foreseeable future. And that's going to impact the, the farmer sales. And so if you can go direct to consumers, hopefully you're able to offset that and, uh, to make it through this. Well, I think it's really, really interesting. I've been very fascinated to watch how different segments of industry have been adapting. And here, here is a really interesting one where we've seen, you know, grocery sales up really pretty impressively because people were stocking up on things or going to the store less, but perhaps buying a little more when they do go. But I think you're, you're, you know, you, you've really spoken to something important here. And that is there's something to be said for that reliability and knowing exactly the source of things, especially as we see cracks exposed in our, in our food supply chains. I think it's a really interesting story. Well, thanks so much for taking time to talk it through today. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. Coming up, United sees a slight uptick in demand for travel, which is a sign, albeit a weak one, of improvement in demand for air travel, which has been severely impacted by the coronavirus. We'll dig deeper into that story and others right after this. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is impacting business and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update. All one word. The paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we do encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you receive cranes in print at the office and are missing it while working from home, you can always access the electronic edition anytime at chicagobusiness.com com slash digital edition. Again, that's chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update for the free newsletter and chicagobusiness.com slash digital edition. So you don't miss a thing from the print edition while you're working from home. Yesterday, Governor Pritzker said the new rule that says business owners could face a $2,500 fine and a year in jail if they open in violation of the shutdown order is actually an effort to minimize the penalty while still protecting public health. The new rule was issued over the weekend, and speaking at his daily COVID briefing yesterday, Pritzker compared it to a traffic ticket. Previously, under law, local officials had some, though not many, legal tools to enforce the order on bars, restaurants, or shops improperly opening to the public including pulling their business license or simply shutting it down entirely. Pritzker said, quote, those are expensive measures for a business to come back from. They're not preferred by anyone, least of all me. Continuing by saying this additional enforcement tool is, quote, less harm to a business than a total shutdown or a loss of a license. It gives local governments and law enforcement the ability to do their job, adding many other states have enforcement tools like this. Earlier in the day, Springfield's top Republicans, House GOP leader Jim Durkin and Senate GOP leader 
leader Bill Brady criticized the rule and suggested it could be overturned in court. Pritzker also said he's worried about the safety of his family after some protesters in Springfield assembled with signs picturing him, Hitler, and swastikas, adding, quote, some legislators even appeared and spoke to these protesters and continuing, I want you to know I'm undeterred from the path we're on. I think we're doing the right thing. More on this story and others at chicagobusiness.com, where you can also find charts and data on the latest COVID figures for the city and state. State Farm plans to cut auto insurance rates throughout the country by a total of more than $2 billion. The national average of said cuts is about 11 percent, and that's in addition to the $2 billion auto policyholder credits announced by the Bloomington-based insurance giant last month. Both moves are related to the drop in driving and claims related to COVID-19, which changed driving habits, especially around commuting, almost overnight. State Farm Senior Vice President Kristen Cook-Turner said in a statement, current State Farm driving data and claims experience show a considerable decline in miles driven and fewer accidents. Continuing, as a result, we're looking for ways to continue supporting our customers while we monitor and adjust to trends. The company announced last month that it would give policyholders $2 billion in credits on future bills starting in June, following on the heels of similar moves from other insurance companies, including Allstate and Geico. Ride-hailing giant Uber is cutting another 3,000 jobs and closing dozens of offices, the company said yesterday, which is part of a series of dramatic moves aimed at shoring up a business that has been deeply impacted by the coronavirus. The latest round of job cuts come on top of cuts to 3,700 jobs in customer support and human resources earlier this month. The worker reductions now represent about a quarter of the company's total workforce. In an email to staff yesterday, the company's CEO stopped short of saying that this recent round of job cuts would be the last as the result of the pandemic, adding that the company will stop work on several of its side projects as it reorients itself around its two core businesses, ride-hailing and food delivery. Uber will also close or consolidate 45 of the several hundred offices that it operates globally. As a result of the changes, Uber will incur $175 to $220 million in charges, mostly in the second quarter, that according to a securities filing yesterday. But even as it makes efforts to cut costs, Uber is in talks to acquire Grubhub, a purchase that would pretty much make Uber the dominant player in the U.S. food delivery market. In the note to employees yesterday, the CEO also said that although Uber still loses money on food delivery, it's, quote, the next enormous growth opportunity, a notion supported by high demand for takeout as people stay home. Although a deal with Grubhub could lead to significant savings in a super competitive industry, the idea of the deal has also raised antitrust concerns among leading lawmakers. Chicago-based United Airlines says it's planning for July capacity to be down 75% from year-ago levels. But that's an improvement from May and June capacity, which is down 90%. And also an improvement from April, where gross bookings were down by 95%. The company said in a security filing this morning ahead of a planned presentation later today at the Wolf Investor Conference, as of May 18, 2020, the company has seen a reduction in customer cancellation rates and a moderate improvement in demand in the domestic United States and certain international destinations for the remainder of the second quarter of 2020. United also said it does not plan to take delivery of any new aircraft in 2022 as it chops capital spending to about $500 million from $2 billion next year and less than $4.5 billion this year. United is taking 22 Boeing planes that will be delivered this year, but it financed those through a sale leaseback transaction, which won't require an immediate outlay of capital. And United is not alone 
alone in numbers like these. Bookings are again outpacing cancellations for Dallas-based Southwest, they said in a regulatory filing earlier today, saying operating revenue this month will likely decline no more than 90% from a year ago, which is slightly better than the previous forecast of a drop of as much as 95%. And although still down 90% from year-ago levels in the past five days, there's also been a slight uptick to the number of passengers being screened at TSA checkpoints. Until tomorrow, that's all for Crane's Daily Gist. Thank you to producer Jaima Black and to today's guest, Dalton Barker. Find the latest breaking business news, analysis, data, and lots more at chicagobusiness.com. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And let's continue the conversation there about these and other business stories most on your mind. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here tomorrow.